Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. turn in your Bibles to the book of Revelation as we continue our study looking today at the church of Laodicea and Laodicea presents perhaps the saddest picture of any church the church with its door closed and Jesus standing on the outside. Can you imagine such a thing? And sadly, all through history and even to the current day, there are churches like this. I'm trying to get this thing to work right here, but it's, it's getting, it's having its senior moments. <laughs> But uh, Revelation, as we've looked at the former six churches and today looking at the, the seventh church, let's begin reading in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. 
As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray to him. Again, our Father, we come to you as we ask that you would illuminate our understanding. We thank you, Lord, for your holy word that teaches us and guides us and directs us and points us to you. Through your word and by your Holy Spirit, you grant to us the wonderful gifts of wisdom, of knowledge, of understanding. We realize, Lord, that you are wisdom, and in you is found all knowledge, and that without you we lack understanding. Therefore we pray that as we study your word, that you will be our teacher. Lord God, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts that we might bring honor and exalt the name of the Lord Jesus. For we pray in his holy name and give thanks. Amen. So a little historical background, Laodicea, some have said the, uh, the name Laodicea means the rule of the people. And like the rest of the churches, it's located in Asia Minor, or modern-day Turkey, approximately 45 miles southeast of Philadelphia that we looked at uh, last week. And it's also about 90 miles east of, of Ephesus. So Ephesus is on the coast, and um, uh, Laodicea is in what is referred to as the Lycus Valley and um, not far also from the, from the city of Colossae. Okay, and I believe he folks was in there uh, as well. Uh, it was established in the first century, and uh, many believe possibly by Epaphras, who was a fellow servant of the Apostle Paul during uh, his missionary uh, journeys. And you can, you can you find Epaphras' uh, name in the book of Colossians, there in the first chapter, verse seven, and in, in a few other places as well. And Paul refers to him as our beloved fellow servant, uh, Epaphras. And um, again, like all the others, the congregational membership was made up of a mix of, of Jewish and Gentile believers. And for, for those who haven't studied church history, they're surprised when, when we share with them that the, the, what is referred to as the infant church, if you will, the church in the first century, was made up primarily of Jewish Christians. Okay, you know that Jesus is Jewish, all right? And uh, in the first century, Christianity was viewed as a sect, S-E-C-T. I want to make sure I get that right, you know, the message. <laughs> right. um, of, of Judaism. 
But as time went on, you know, this division between Christians and, and Jews became wider and wider. And uh, the Roman uh, governors, etc., recognized Judaism, but came to consider Christianity an illegal uh, religion. That is, until Constantine uh, supposedly came to know the Lord as a Savior, then declared Christianity the state uh, religion in around uh, 313 uh, AD. But the congregation at Laodicea was made up of Jewish and Gentile believers. Now it has this reputation, rich but poor, lukewarm. And as I mentioned earlier, a sad picture, the saddest picture, a church with a closed door and Jesus on the outside. Can you imagine such a thing? And yet there are many churches today, I guess I should say many groups today, that gather and they're like this church, Laodicea. Oh, they have a great time. They meet together and do all kinds of fun things, but, but Jesus is on the outside. No. The, uh, the city of Laodicea was uh, a commercial city as well, known for its, its wool, wealth, and medicine. And they, they produced there this, this ISAP and it was used throughout the Middle East. And so you see, when Jesus speaks to the church there in Laodicea, he emphasizes these very things as he, as he talks and as he teaches and as he, as he rebukes, because that's what he's doing, the church at Laodicea. These things says the Amen. Jesus is the living word. He's the Amen. Now, Amen in its basic definition means so be it, or so shall it be done. Or in other words, he's the final word. You follow? He says and it's done. He commands and it's fulfilled. And he's also called the faithful the faithful and true witness. So turn to the book of Hebrews. And, I, and again, I, I want to encourage you to write these, these passages down. Now, sometimes I put the passages in the, uh, in the PowerPoint, and other times I want you to, to write them down. Because it's beneficial for you to actually write these down. And you're more likely to, to go back and to, to, uh, to study them again and to remember and to retain them if you actually have to write them down. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle. Now, the word apostle means the one sent or sent with a message. Jesus was sent. The Father sent the Son. The apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him. You notice that? He was faithful to the Father. He is the true and faithful witness. And then, Jesus says of himself, and we go back to Revelation, but I'm going to have you turn 
uh, in a moment uh, to another passage in a little bit. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the final word. He's the, the amen. He's the living word. He is faithful, even to the point that he went to the cross and died, though being innocent, he died as a guilty criminal in our place. And he is the truth. Now, we're going to spend some time here on D, this beginning of the creation of God. Because the cults misinterpret this, and they miss, they, they misteach this. They, they interpret it by saying that, see, Jesus is not God. He was created. That's not what it means. In the Greek, that is not what is conveyed. What is conveyed and what is taught by the scriptures is that in the beginning, that is, in the beginning of the act of creation, when God created the world, there, that beginning, you see, this created order, this world had a beginning. There was a, a moment in time when God created the world. Or in other words, there was a, a, a point in time when this world did not exist. But God existed. Understand? God has no beginning. He has no end. But the world was created by the act of God in a moment of time. And so turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. The Gospel of John. Chapter 1. So important. Now. Sadly, sadly, tragically, for, for millions and millions of people who become involved in cults and, and uh, groups that, that misinterpret and misapply the scripture. They have a, an erroneous understanding of who Jesus is. There are even some who say, well, you know, he never claimed to be the son of God. Where in the world did they get that from? Okay. But notice what it says here in, in John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning, now notice that, in the beginning, what beginning? It's talking about the, the beginning of the creation, because that's what this, that is what this chapter is about, or these verses are about the beginning of the creation. In the beginning was the Word, the Word. And we mentioned a moment ago that Jesus is the living Word. You say, well, how, how do you know that? Well, we'll, we'll get to it, we'll, we'll show it to you here. So it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Notice. And the Word was God. So the Word is God. You follow? He was in the beginning with God. All things were made, notice this here, through Him. Through Him. And, 
And, and who is the object there? Or the subject, rather? Jesus, the him, he is the subject. Through him, that is, through the word, going on. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, we need to keep on reading. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Notice? So John is giving witness, he's giving testimony to Jesus Christ, who is the light. He came into a world that was filled with the darkness of sin. He came into the world, and yet the world that was made by him rejected him. You follow? All right? He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. He came to the nation of Israel. He came, he's the Messiah. He came to his own, and yet his own rejected him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the authority, the privilege, the blessing to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of, of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You know, when you mention to someone that, that you know God, or that, and that God knows you, and that you talk to God, they think you're nuts. They, they think, man, you know, he was dropped on his head when he was born or something, okay? That God actually actually knows you and then some will say what makes you think that you're so special that that, that God would would hear you see it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense to the human mind to 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 the unbelieving mind because we're not born of the will of man but of the will of God and notice what it says now. Verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Now who is that? Who is the only begotten of the Father? The Lord Jesus Christ. Full of grace and truth. Alright, so turn back to Revelation. Actually, don't go all the way back to Revelation. Go to the first chapter in the book of Hebrews. You were there just a moment ago. The first chapter. Let's read just a little bit more. Hebrews chapter 1. God, with various times and in various ways, spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, 
whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. So, through whom? Through whom? That's a question. Through Christ Jesus, right? Through whom he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins. You see who the subject is, right? Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he, now the he that is being referred to there is God the Father. To which angel at any time did God the Father ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And we read over in John, that they beheld his glory. The word became flesh. He became a man. That word incarnate. Incarnate means in the flesh. And the Bible says that his, his name is, is Emmanuel. God with us. Notice he says, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. What does it say in the commandments? The commandments teach we are to worship God, and him only are we to serve. If Jesus was not God the Son, then it would be wrong for the angels to fall down and worship him. You follow? Jesus is God the Son. God has revealed himself in three distinct persons. as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who lives and dwells in every believer. He is the one who enables us to understand the scripture. He's the one who gives us insight. He's the one who imparts wisdom and knowledge and understanding. He's the one who anoints the work that we do in the name of the Lord. He is the one who has the ministry of exalting the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, just as Jesus always exalted and praised the Father. Jesus said, I have come to do the will of my Father. And he always gave glory to God the Father. And the Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit was to come and to, to fill Christians, to anoint Christians, that is to empower us and enable us to do the work of the Lord to the glory of the name of Jesus. We are to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. Notice it goes on. And, and of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But to the Son, he says, now this is the Father speaking to the Son. The Lord Jesus, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. 
And then he goes on, and you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they will all grow old like a garment. Like a cloak, you will fold them up, and they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not fail. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Who is he referring to here? God the Father is speaking to, to God the Son. He commands the angels to worship him because he is God the Son. And the cults refuse to acknowledge that Jesus is the divine Son of God, that he is God the Son, that he has always been. He is referred to as the Ancient of Days. His name, Wonderful Counselor, the Prince of Peace, yes, the Father of Eternity, the Everlasting One. But he came into this world as a man. He laid aside, as it were, his divinity. And he walked and he lived as a man. God, our God, is humble, willing, willing to come and walk upon the earth as a man. Now, Jesus, of course, retained his divinity, but he chose not to use it in such a way that it would benefit him personally. Now, what do I mean by that? You'll recall that he allowed himself to be tempted after his baptism, after fasting for 40 days. And the devil tempted him. And Jesus could have just used his divine power, but he chose not to. Because he's the faithful witness. You'll recall the devil said, well, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. You know, he hadn't eaten, right, for 40 days. And you recall the response? He used the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Yes. And that is what we are to do. Back to Revelation. So when you read this, and it says, beginning of the creation of God, now you know what is being referred to there. In the beginning, that the beginning of this, of this world, Jesus was there. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all present, bringing this world and bringing life into existence. And Jesus goes on in rebuking this church. He says, I know your works. Revelation 3, verses 16 and 17. Lukewarm. Now, Laodicea was located in a lower part of the valley, area called the Lycus Valley. And interestingly, they brought water from up north through an aqueduct. You know, a hundred years or so ago, they didn't, they didn't realize that uh, ancient man actually 
had the running water. You know, we, you know, modern man likes to think that he came up with all this, right? He didn't. <laughs> oh, they had running water. Can you imagine that? They even had cold and hot water. See, because if you were really wealthy, you could afford having these these fancy bathtubs that were, that, you know, they they, they were uh, tiled with fancy tiles, ceramic tiles, and they would have these these spas. Nothing new, like Solomon said. Nothing new under the sun. It's all been done before. But notice what he says. He says, "You're lukewarm, tepid." Room temperature, apathetic. That's what it really refers to. They were indifferent. They lacked zeal. They felt they had it all together. They were neither cold nor hot. Now, notice what he says. I will vomit you out. In other words, that the life that you're living and the kind of Christianity that is a part of your life makes me sick and it makes me want to throw up. Imagine if that was the way that God evaluated your Christian life. This is the Lord speaking. Because out in the world, this is what you'll hear. If you stand up for righteousness, or you, you point out something that is wrong, who gives you the right to judge? How about the Bible says you shouldn't judge? You know, I understand that, that Jesus was loving and forgiving. Yes, he is, but what does it say here? As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. And the kind of Christianity that you're living and what's going on in your church makes me want to throw up. Oh my. That's our loving Lord speaking that way. And then he goes on and he says, because you say I am rich and in need of nothing. In other words, they were self-sufficient. Self-sufficient. Laodicea and all of these churches and all the various characteristics of these churches, and we're going to look at, at, at that next week, are present today. They've been present in churches and denominations all through the history of Christianity. Sadly. Sadly. Because you say, I'm, I'm rich and, and need nothing, self-sufficient. We've got it all together, man. We don't need all of that other stuff. We're just fine the way we are. Notice what he says. He says, and you don't know but that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Man. But a sad condition. You see, their priorities were possessions. The problem they had was that 
they thought they had possessions when actually the possessions possessed them. They were possessed by their possessions. And their posture, their posture, their, their attitude, their harsh attitude was one of pride. Pride and arrogance, which then caused them to be apathetic, lacking zeal. Their perception, their spiritual perception, was without biblical purpose. You know that some churches, and sadly some preachers, and other leaders within churches, they're kingdom builders. That is, they're personal kingdom builders. They love the fact that they're, they're building a kingdom. Now, we are to be kingdom builders in the, in the biblical sense where we're building, working together to build the kingdom of God. Yes, we're to do that. But we're not to build our own personal kingdoms. And you've heard me say this before, and I'll say it again. The church is God's church. It does not belong to us. It is God's church. The Lord Jesus Christ died upon the cross for the church. It is his church. He is the Lord of the church. He is the shepherd. All pastors and other ministers, we're referred to as under-shepherds. We, we shepherd under the great shepherd. But every pastor, every minister is a sinner like everyone else. And people make the mistake of thinking that the, the, you know, the pastor is just going to be this perfect person. Uh, I'll tell you right now, all you have to do is talk to my wife. <laughs> Jesus died for me too. And I have to confess my sin to him too. But there are people who are leading in churches, and there are churches and denominations where the door is closed and Jesus is on the outside. And this, this church, Laodicea, rule of the people, instead of preaching the word of God, instead of preaching the truth of God, instead of being empowered by God the Holy Spirit and proclaiming the truth of, of God's word, they're allowing themselves to be influenced by governmental leaders and by the educational uh, leaders. Instead of telling the truth, they're, they're, they're telling things or preaching things or teaching things that make people feel good about themselves. I'm okay, you're okay. But when Jesus came to Laodicea, he, that's not what he said. He surely didn't say, you're okay. He's okay. But the church in Laodicea was not okay. And it is not okay for God's people to use examples from the world, unless those examples bring honor and glory to God. But God can speak through a, through a mule, he can speak through, or a donkey rather, he can, he can speak through anything that he chooses to speak through. And he can teach, and he uses even the unbelievers to accomplish his will. But God's people are to be giving honor and glory to him. Now notice he says, I counsel you to buy from me Gold. Gold refined in the fire. What is he referring to there? 
spiritual riches, and we, we mentioned this earlier, spiritual riches, God's word. Well, first of all, Jesus is the treasure of heaven. Jesus is the treasure of life. He is the goal of our lives. That we grow into the fullness of the stature of Christ. We are to worship Him and Him alone. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We are to worship God. He is the treasure. His Word is the treasure. And Jesus is the living Word. In Him is wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. He says, buy for me, buy for me. Now, he's the one who actually paid the price. And then he says, white garments. Well, white garments refer to the righteousness of Christ. But we, as, as God's children, are supposed to live lives of righteousness. That is, we're to live according to God's standard, not the standard established by the world. And we've said many times, just because the government passes a law and makes some, some, some action or activity or lifestyle legal, doesn't make it right and moral. And it is not a new thing. The human race hasn't really changed all that much. Why did God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Why? Sin, that's correct. The same kind of sin that is going on today. The United States of America is, has become a modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah. Sadly, tragically. And here's something that's worst of all. Many people who call themselves Christians voted for that to be approved. I read a statement the other day. I thought, what? A person said, if, if your faith does not influence your political views, then your political views have actually become more important to you than your faith. Let that sink in. Make no mistake about it. What is going on is inconsistent with what the Bible teaches. And God expects his people to stand up for what is right, not for what is popular. And no, not necessarily for that which is legal. As we looked at on Wednesday, as citizens, we're bound to keep law unless that law violates God's holy word. That law violates God's holy word. We are to remain faithful to our God and to his word. He goes on and he says, Isaiah, spiritual discernment. They had become blinded by their own sin. 
that Jesus healed many, many people in the scripture, in, in the time in which he walked on the earth. You recall blind Bartimaeus hollering out? He's hollering out, oh, son of David, have mercy on me. And they told him to shut up. Shut up. Stop making noise. And it says he cried out all the more. And Jesus called for him. And of course, healed him. Jesus is saying, you need to be healed. Your spiritual insight, your spiritual vision. I have several more passages of scripture, but one that you can write down and take a look at, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. It says, the unbeliever is unable to understand the word of God. Why? Because it is spiritually discerned. Or in other words, it is God the Holy Spirit who enables us to understand it. Without him, the Bible says, the word of God is twisted to a person's own destruction. And then he says, be zealous and repent, referring to life transformation. The Spirit of God is able to ignite a fire in an individual as well as in a church, in a denomination, and even in a nation. There's a reason why the United States of America became so great. The other day, my son was, was talking with me, and he said he had been studying various um, things in the history of the U.S., battles and, and various things, and he says, you know, the number of times that the United States and various groups faced insurmountable odds. You have to come back and say, God, God enabled them to win because he enabled this nation to exist. Oh yes, with all of the, with all of the, you know, the bad and the, the unpleasant things, and yet tremendous amount of good. We'll finish up this this sermon next week and move on to uh, to the next. But I I do want to go over these last points, and I'll just read them in uh, slide uh, six there. What do we learn from this passage? Any church, denomination, and individual Christian can be like Laodicea. Materially wealthy, but spiritually poor. Beautiful in appearance, but spiritually miserable and wretched. Self-sufficient, but spiritually poor, poor, blind, and naked. We are to glorify our Lord Jesus Christ with zeal in our life and our witness. Now, how do we do that? Pray. Study your Bible. Share the message of God's love with your family and your friends. Be faithful in your church attendance and in your stewardship. Our Lord Jesus knocks upon the door of our hearts. Repentance leads to victory. Will you let him in? Give your heart, life, past and present and future to the Lord Jesus Christ today and be forgiven, restored and saved. God promises his paradise for those who love him. We're going to stand and sing. You've been here attending church, and maybe you haven't 
officially joined, we invite you to come forward as we sing. Move your membership here. Maybe you've not accepted Jesus as your Savior when you die. We're all going to die. You're not confident that you're going to go to heaven. God wants you to know. K-N-O-W. Let's stand, please. Come. Give your heart to the Lord as we sing. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.